Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by my friend, editor emerita of Spectrum magazine, Bonnie Dwyer. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alex. Always a delight to talk with you. Uh, Likewise. Well, there's no one I want to be talking about GC session with than you. You have uh, been to many and covered the GC for decades. And I'm just curious from you, for someone who is sort of tired of, you know, general conference issues and uh, maybe tired of Ted Wilson's influence in the church, why is it important for Adventists? Why do you continue to pay attention to what happens at uh, these sessions? GC is a major moment in who um, operates not only the general conference, but all of the divisions, because every one of the division officers ends up being elected at this point in time. So this is a major, um, it's almost like uh, in sports when they draft a, a drafting season um, because this is this is when the team gets put together and knowing uh, what that means can be difficult uh, because we don't have box scores on uh, every one of the players to be able to understand what their addition to the team means and which is why you have people kind of trying to read the tea leaves uh, for us constantly about GC session because uh, you have to know the players to be able to say what this will mean and um, but it's also why this is important to our church members because it will shape uh, what our church looks like and is about over the next five years. Well, I agree, and I think it's important for folks who are looking for new ideas to be adopted or new policies to be adopted or just a, a breath of fresh air, uh, an Adventist renewal to, to understand the issues that are at stake um, and discussed as part of the business meeting, which includes going through modifications uh, to the church manual. Um, when you're looking through the agenda, what sort of things jump out at you uh, this year? Well, um, the agenda is 100 pages long, and there are, um, here's a page of it. So we have color coding at the top for the church manual, the general agenda, constitution and bylaws, nominations. Those are all major categories. The category that's not listed there that everybody kind of goes through to try to figure out is what's the hidden agenda? Mm. Uh, 
on this thing, I, you know, uh, is there a hidden agenda? So when you read items, for instance, uh, like the one on the executive committee, uh, where the general conference executive committee shall have power to elect or remove for cause officers, directors, and associate directors of departments, associations, services, and committee members, and to fill the term any vacancies uh, may occur when vacancies occur. Okay, um, this is a new um, power. Yeah being spelled out for the executive committee. And that's the one that you kind of, why are we doing this? Um, is this because those um, compliance committees that were created and, and never activated uh, in any meaningful way because that failed? Is, is this a re... Um, uh, a new way to get at what the president was trying to do with those. Uh, that's the kind of thing that you look at and you say, what, what is the story behind this? Uh, and, mm -hmm. and why is this appearing on the agenda? Uh, so I'm glad you're drawing our attention to that. I, for folks who aren't kind of familiar, the executive committee is basically like the, has the power of the GC session when the GC session isn't happening every five years, um, usually. And so this, um, this, this collection of officers has a lot of power and it's the, it's actually, there's a additional, um, change to policy that would allow the executive committee to postpone GC sessions um, <laughs> up to yeah. one year ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. So the executive committee has the power to not call a GC session for whatever cause they deem um, reasonable. When you're thinking about um, GC session, you're also thinking about people and one of the places where the selection of people to church leadership happens is behind scenes at the nominating committee for your years of covering presidential um, nominations when uh, i guess the proper term is the report of the nominating committee is brought to the floor when it then becomes uh, visible to the uh, the delegates and then to everyone observing you've uh, you've been part of reporting on what's happening behind the scenes at the nominating committee can you explain a little bit about the dynamics of the nominating committee and why um, well we can't see it in action it's important to understand what it does sure um, the nominating committee is where the discussion about all of these various candidates takes place. When the nominating committee brings uh, a nomination to the floor, the discussion has pretty much taken place. And at the floor, they can send that name back if they don't think um, the name is appropriate uh, and the nominating committee can confer again and decide whether 
to try and listen to more people or whether to just say, no, we're, we're sticking with this nomination. But so much of the uh, vetting of an individual name takes place in the nominating committee. And in um, previous years, the nominating committee, well, GC would start on Thursday evening. They would have an organizing thing and the nominating committee would get chosen on Thursday. It would start its work Friday morning and its first job was to uh, elect the president. And they always wanted to have it done by noon. I mean, you know, uh, sundown's coming. So you've got to have this done. So the amount of time spent on the president presidential selection in the nominating committee itself was very short. And then it would come to the floor and get approved. And then whoever was elected then met with the nominating committee for the next week, um, giving the nominating committee his preferences for GC vice presidents, for uh, all these other positions. And so you get elected president and you immediately have to be saying who you want as your team, uh, in other words. This year, there's a condensed um, time frame because it's not the GC session is not going for 10 days, it's going for five days. And so um, I was encouraged to hear when Lowell Cooper was talking about this with the Sligo Sabbath School this past Sabbath, that the nominating committee um, caucuses are actually going to meet on um, Sunday before GC starts. Now, the caucuses, each division's delegation meets to select their people for the nominating committee. So the North America, all the people from North America will get together and they will choose 10% of their members to be on the nominating committee. So all of those caucuses for the divisions will take place on Sunday. So Monday morning, that nominating committee can immediately get busy. And um, that's a good thing. I, you know, I think it would be helpful to uh, maybe have the GC nominating committee function more like the ones at the conference in Union, where they meet months in advance uh, of uh, the actual session where elections are held, so that they can spend more time on discussing who and all of that. So. Yeah, it seems like a very truncated process to make very important decisions about uh, leaders and how everyone's going to fit uh, into um, their roles. Um, let's talk a little, let's talk about the president. Ted Wilson has been president for 12 years. He is, of course, the son of a previous General Conference president who was president for 10 years. Before that, his father was president of North American Division for 14 years. So we've had Wilson, the Wilson family, very much dominating the Seventh-day Adventist church uh, when uh, for um, several generations. Is it time for someone besides a Wilson to be president of the general <laughs> conference? <laughs> well, 
you know, maybe, maybe so. Uh, who knows? What's uh, the benefit? What, what, what are you thinking uh, a leadership needs? Uh, what does the church need in its leader? Um, the church needs uh, somebody that loves the church and cheers for the church and um, supports its institutions and its people. Hmm. And so I, I, you know, we're, we're looking for um, someone to be a spiritual leader also, I think, and to um, help us renew our personal relationships with God uh, hmm. and um, to lead our family. Yeah. I, I, the, the metaphor that you pick to talk about church organization, I think, influences what you're looking for. You know, if you think of the church as the organization, which a GC session obviously is all about organization. I, this is the organization's time to get itself together. So the organization is extremely important. But the church is the people, uh, not the organization. And I think we really need someone who understands that and cares about the people as much as about the organization. Yeah. I have one more question on this, and that is about term limits. We don't really have term limits in place, and you know, many, uh, many organizations do. Is it time for us to think about term limits as a way of helping us get Adventist renewal and spiritual renewal where we have a mechanism in place where it's pretty clear how long someone will have power? I think it might be helpful. Um, and um, I, I think that um, you want somebody to have enough time to accomplish what they want to get done, what they see as needing to be done. But just like um, any group or, or organization, you benefit from having um, a change in variety. And so I, I think term limits could help us there. And back to, I wanted to say one more thing about the nominating committee and um, in the past, the nominating, the, you know, the reason everything had to be so truncated is because you did want representation from every division. And the only way you got that was when they were all present uh, and in the same room. Well, we've, we've just done this vote so that the nominating committee can function electronically. And so now the nominating committee can meet virtually. And so that I think really changes dynamics, not only for the meeting itself, but for the lead up to the meeting and, and what could get done ahead of time. So. I'm so glad you made that point. I completely agree that taking advantage of, you know, meeting virtual meeting technology might uh, help our church make well considered decisions about leadership and uh, there's no reason for them to kind of rush through such an important process. Yeah. Um, 
Let's talk about uh, a couple of other things on the agenda that folks might want to pay attention to when the uh, when it comes up on um, the delegate uh, during the business session and the delegates weigh in. One is a uh, amendment to the church manual called redemptive membership auditing. If anyone wants to uh, turn to the page at home, it's on page ninety four, and there's a a line of it that is troubling folks, Mem redemptive membership auditing, it, it points out that the records are kept up to date by the local church. And for folks um, uh, paying attention, uh, we all know that in the Seventh-day Adventist church, uh, who decides if you're a member of the church is the local church, not a conference leader or anyone else. This might be addressing that and perhaps changing it because the uh, amendment here, this change, goes on to say that they are subject to audit by the next higher organization. This rule, which also applies to every entity or level of the organization, and it continues on from there. So adding this idea of a audit of the local church membership by the next higher organization. And then that, say the conference, is uh, subject to the union and on up to the general conference. It seems to be making a, a line of control that penetrates down to decisions about who is a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church at the local level. Uh, Bonnie, what are you uh, seeing as you're reading this? Um. But that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure that this starts with good intentions in terms of trying to keep accurate records and trying to keep up to date records. And uh, the divisions have gone um, through auditing processes to try and clean up their numbers. And um, so I think this probably starts there with let, let's have accurate numbers and um, representation of who's a member. But it can um, then have uh, unfortunate consequences um, just depending on how it's uh, used and enforced. And I have a feeling will uh, be debated in a lively manner. Yeah. Um, what else is pay are you paying attention to this idea of wall of partition? What are you uh, seeing there? And, and why do you have some questions? Okay. Um, this is a amendment of the church manual. And it's a recommendation, and I'd have to go look at the church manual. I don't know if this wall of partition, no wall of partition. Um, I take it it already exists, and it's being reworded. So the rewording is um, trying to make the um, language more politically correct. So... Uh, here's a sentence. The elect of God are a universal brotherhood. They're taking out brotherhood and saying 
the elect of God are a universal body, a new humanity, and this is what's being added, saved by the blood of Christ, which is available to all. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's lovely. I'm so glad that Amen. that is being, um, you know, added uh, now. If we have that in the church manual, but there is no wall of partition, yeah. what are the consequences of that? What are What's the other side to that? Does that mean if there's no wall of partition, then we obviously we can have women, elders, deacons, ministers, um, because there's no wall of partition. And we know that because it's in the church manual. So, you know, I... It could have some good consequences, maybe. That, that would be a, a wonderful thing. Well, thanks for drawing our attention to these items. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, being there at the GC session and reporting on it. And if anyone has any thoughts as they're reading through the church manual, please reach out to me. Um, part of being at the GC session is really appreciating the global reach of Adventism. You know, mm -hmm. we have more members than half the countries have citizens in the world and uh you know we're a multi-billion dollar organization officially a corporation that functions as a spiritual family for uh most of us and it's a really beautiful one i think when i'm there and i get to see other folks from other parts of uh this blue marble floating in space you recently traveled uh, over uh, to Spain, and I would love to uh, kind of have you talk about uh, why you went there. I um, walked a portion of the Camino uh, de Santiago, uh, the way of St. James, and I was there in April. Uh, so I was in Santiago over Easter. And one of the things that I got to see were the parades that take place in uh, Santiago. And I think in many major cities in uh, Europe, they have these Easter parades that I had never seen before. So the Easter parades were um, a, a fascinating thing and, and uh, seeing the uh, cathedral in Santiago is uh, a wonderful experience because it's a very beautiful, beautiful place. And um, that was all lovely. What I realized um, as I went on this walk, which is a pilgrimage that's been done for a thousand years, uh, people have kind of sent out on this thing. And it made me think about um, my relationship with God and a daily walk kind of a way that, you know, we send people out on mission trips and those are wonderful. And I think they accomplish um, beautiful things. Uh, but mission trips are done for the church pilgrimages are done for your own personal um, relationship with God. And I almost began to think about pilgrimage as the beginning of Protestantism. Oh. Because, you know, 
um, these people got sent out to go on a pilgrimage and it, to talk directly to God as they were walking along. There, there's no priest walking with them as they are on a pilgrimage. It's that significance of, of personal connection with God and addressing up uh, people go on these pilgrimages for lots of different reasons. And uh, the movie, The Way, for instance, with Martin Sheen from uh, 2008 or 10, something like that. Every one of the characters, they had to establish why they were on this pilgrimage. What was their issue, uh, essentially, that they were addressing? So it's like, you have to have a reason uh, to be going on this pilgrimage. But it's all very personal. Uh, and so going on a trip that reminds you of your personal relationship with God, I found uh, to be a wonderful thing. Well, that's really beautiful. I love that thought of uh, it having, uh, reminding us that it has a, a really direct uh, kind of one-to-one -one relationship. And that's a thought that when I'm at the GC session, I'll take with me that uh, despite <laughs> all these layers, there's always uh, an escape hatch and that's our direct communication. With well, the other thing that's wonderful about it, there's a phrase that uh, Walker, the road is made by walking, um, which is a, a definition kind of a thing. And um, so whatever the tradition may be behind the walk, you actually make your road by walking it. And so this GC session, while it will be influenced by what has come before, walking through it um, will be, you know, a totally new place for the church. And so I wish you just all the best in, in your reporting. And I'm looking forward to reading what, what you share with us from St. Louis. Well, thanks. Uh, I've been reminded by many people the, um, that uh, whatever people say publicly about Spectrum, they're all reading Spectrum. Uh, and I thank you for <laughs> your legacy uh, at the General Conference session of, of giving folks um, the sort of reports that uh, help them understand what happened and why it happened. And um, we're going to continue that tradition as best we can. Yeah, enjoy all that beautiful music and all those prayers and all. I love listening to all the people pray in their native languages. I, I always thought that was a very blessed part. Yeah, yeah, foretaste of heaven. All right, thank you so much, Bonnie. Of course. Great to see you and talk to you. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom.